everybody, and welcome to another episode of my weekly show. I'm Father Roderick, and I'm in semi-quarantine. This may still be actually a very good situation compared to what's what we're heading at. I totally expect uh, the entire country to go in quarantine maybe next week. I don't know. The situation is very dire. We'll talk about it in the show. Um, before I can continue, before, before I start, I haven't even... I've I've barely started this show. I want to thank my patrons for their ongoing support. Uh, we have a lot of su- people that support me with a, a small donation every month. And in return, I make a special podcast for them that I uh, that they can, they can uh, receive in their feed. There is like a s- secret feed specifically for the patrons. Um, and if you want to join them, then by all means, if you can, of course, financially, then I would really welcome your, your help. Um, I'm surrounded here by uh, lots of equipment in in at home. I've brought all, all my audio equipment and a, a lot of the video equipment here so I can work, I can continue to work when we will get a lockdown, if, if that happens. Um, and it's by bringing all, everything here that I realize, oh, okay, I... I Really, I've been able to to get this equipment. For instance, like right now, I'm I'm also uh, streaming this with a, a Canon M50. Just recently, I was able to purchase a second M50 for uh, for the live streams, and th- it just enhances the quality so much. It makes it so much more polished, and and it's stuff like that that patrons make possible. And so uh, today, I want to give a very special thank you to a, a couple of people that either are new patrons or have been a patron for a while. I just want to mention them here real quick so that you are aware that there is this community that is allowing you to enjoy these shows. It's John, Lisa, Philip, Katie, Gianna, Jana, probably, Patrick, Stephen, Jason, Simon, Matt, and Jolanda, or Yolanda. How do you pronounce it, actually? That's a, that's a name I only know in Dutch. Yolanda? I apologize. Jasmine, Robert, Mary Jo, Peter, Scott, and Trevor. Thank you so much. And if you want to join them, check out patreon.com slash Father Roderick. Do you know what's going on? This is what's happening in your world. They said Catholics rule. We got Boston, South America, the good part of Ireland, and we're making serious inroads in Mozambique, baby. You've taken your first step into a larger world. Now, most of us are uh, experiencing the, 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 the consequences of, of the coronavirus uh, getting worse and worse and making more victims on a daily basis. Uh, I know that I have some of my listeners that, that live in Italy. Italy is incredibly uh, um, hit by this, this virus. Um, it is now the worst country for, for corona. Uh, deaths today the day that i'm recording this this is uh friday uh the 20th of march they had uh what is it more than 700 uh no actually 627 people that died in one day one day um and they had uh they have a total amount of people that died from the coronavirus uh, that is, that surpasses four thousand. There are also twenty priests that have already died. Priests that that worked in the affected areas. Uh, but just before I started recording, I read that there are two convents with religious sisters in Rome, and the entire community is infected in both 
in both convents. So please pray for them, especially for uh, the the weaker sisters or sometimes elderly uh, nuns in, in convents like that. And of course, they, they are very much uh, threatened by uh, by this virus. Situation in the Netherlands is getting worse by the day as well. We're doubling every two days. We have uh, about 281 corona patients uh, in intensive care. There are some hospitals in the south that are already at their max. And uh, they so they're only treating corona patients. Anyone else, even if you have cancer and you need radiation therapy or uh, chemotherapy, you won't get it. Because those hospitals are filled to the brim with corona patients. And and this is kind of a, one of the downsides that we start to see from the privatization or the commerci- commerci- commercialization of, of healthcare in, in our country. There are many other hospitals. We have a very, we're a rich country. We have a lot of good healthcare. Other hospitals just refuse to take over patients from these other hospitals because there's this, you know, competition going on between these hospitals. It is frustrating and it is sad, and I really hope that our government will continue to really steer the the country um, in the best way possible. But um, uh, according to the, the the virologists that we have in our country, uh, the professionals that are studying this and are looking at the situation, probably in the south of the country, the peak will be next next week already, and that's when we will get to the point apparently, where they cannot treat even severe cases anymore and they will have to start triage based on age, which is the worst thing imaginable. Now, I still am praying that it won't come to that, but it just goes to show the severity of the situation. Um, Other countries, United States, um, England, are uh, more behind on the situation. Also, certain parts of Italy are a few weeks behind uh, of the, when it comes to the development of the of the pandemic compared to the north of Italy. But uh, everything indicates that this is inescapable. We can't stop this. What we can do is uh, take very good care of each other and take our responsibility. This is this has been a tough week for me uh, when it comes to uh, the theme of obedience. Uh, as you know, I'm a priest. I work here in a parish as an assistant priest, actually in two parishes. But I am not the pastor. I don't have any responsibility. Um, I just help during the weekends because my main uh, um, mission is to work in the media. So 80% of my time is media work. 20% time is j- usually just for the weekend celebrations. Now, our bishops in the Netherlands have taken drastic measures. Uh, so Holy Week, Easter is all canceled. Um, can only be uh, celebrated in private. That is also coming to, mm, I, th- I guess, a lot of other countries in the world. Uh, so even if in your country it's still kind of up in the air, don't count on it. This is going to be the weirdest Easter and Holy Week ever. Um so they were very strict about that. So no celebrations, no... Well, we can stream celebrations, but that's what I've been doing. I do Mass by myself, which is quite a challenge, I have to say, especially if, if you've got some technical problems like, like I had on the Feast of St. Joseph. Um, but anyway, uh, the weekly weekday celebrations are still permitted by the bishops. 
And so they they leave it to the judgment of the local pastor, so the, the, the lead, priest who is the leader of the parish, to decide whether to cancel or not. I personally think that is a big mistake. I think that right now, you should not open churches for Mass. You can leave the church open it for people to pray, but even there, you have to be extremely careful because there are Every day there are new discoveries about this virus, and so apparently the virus can survive on surfaces for many hours, like on wood, on plastic, and can survive for 12 hours. So even if people come to church and sit, kind of keep their distances, and we keep the churches open for prayer, they may kneel down, touch the, 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 the bench, or the, what is it, the, the, the chairs or whatever, and then someone who comes in later, like an hour later, can still get infected. So even though, of course, we're talking about small risks, but they're still real risks. And, it, and these risks are not just, oh, someone will get a cold or something. It, it can be lethal. And so for the reason that I'm so opposed against uh, to, these, to these weekly celebrations is, is communion. People will come up for communion, and as priests, we are instructed to uh, give communion on the hand, but that does not insulate us from physical contact. You will be touching the hands of the people that that walk forward, um, and if some people are uh, stupid, let's just call it what it is, stupid, they will go to Mass regardless of the fact that they have symptoms, um, they can infect a priest, or a priest may feel the need to continue Mass during the week because, you know, aren't we meant to sacrifice ourselves for the pastoral good? I mean, it's just misplaced, uh, misplaced um, uh, martyrdom, I think. A priest can also infect parishioners. I would never forgive myself if, if that would happen. So, um, and... So I, w- I was in this situation where I, I was, we were talking with our the pastoral team. Um, I don't really formally uh, am a part of that, but we were still discussing. Um, I, I was part of the discussion because I'm the only one who is streaming right now. So the entire liturgical weight of the two parishes, 15 churches, is on my shoulders. And I have to do that all by myself. So I just wanted to kind of be part of the discussion. So I will do both celebrations. They were like super, um, I don't know, over optimistic. It's like, yeah, and then we could have other priests and we could have acolytes from uh, the other locations come over and serve mass, and we can have lector, le- what is it, people that do the readings from from the various communities. So everybody at in the, when they were watching the stream, they will see that it's the entire parish that celebrates. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I don't want all these different people here. Because the risks are too big. We don't know nothing about how this virus is spreading. and But we do see the results. We see that this is in constantly increasing. And it's spreading like wildfire. Right now, there's only one response to that. And that is isolation. Total isolation. Like right now, they've closed the schools, right? And we're encouraged to stay at home. I see every day people disobeying that it's not really, uh, um, uh, it's not forbidden to go outside. But when it's not forbidden, people, especially these younger people, they they don't have school. So what do they do? They go meet each other. 
They go for a walk. There are like thousands of people walking in nature because it's springtime. And you cannot keep your distance. It's uh, when you have to cross someone in the street, I take a detour. Most people don't. I have older people in the parish, and it's really, it, like today, I, I, I was so mad. I heard that in the building where we have our offices, so we're renting that place, that every day there are older parishioners that gather there, that drink coffee together, they have meetings, they don't keep their distance whatsoever. Why? Because, well, we, do, we don't feel sick. Oh, it's all exaggerated, you know. We, we, we've gone through the war, well, not, not literally, but they're totally, I think, underestimating the risks of what they do. So I cannot go to the office right now. I just don't want to risk it. If I fall ill, I can't serve my parishioners in when things get really bad. Um, and I'll get to some of the things that, as priests, we were we may get called to do in the in the weeks to come. I want to stay available for a real serious business and not uh, uh, incur the virus because of you know some elderly parish elderly parishioners that think it's all you know exaggerated and it, it doesn't you know they're, they're exempt they're it's not gonna it's not they're gonna not they they don't get ill because they've never been ill ah but the thing is so we had this discussion and the priest the my pastor said well i think we should just have at least one mass every week in the two locations uh in the two parishes so i think we should just do wednesday mass and i'll just ask people to keep their distances and i'll be very very careful with communion like, don't do it don't do it why why do you take this big risk and so the the kind of the the the, the answer that i get is well the bishops don't forbid it and the government doesn't say that you can't so why should we be more strict than, you know, those responsible? We, we, and I'm thinking, well, just look back one week what the, what the recommendations were back then and look where we are now and postulate what we will be in one week from now. Why don't you use your own capacity to make a decision? It's, it's just, it's, uh, is it just trying to please people? I don't know. It, it, but I, I still think that we're going to pay the price for this um, it, very, very soon. Uh, but anyway, that is just stuff that I struggle with because, of course, well, I, I just refuse. I don't partake in that. I will do my, my job. I will stream those masses. I will do whatever I can to, to bring the liturgy to my parishioners. Uh, and, and, and I'm already racking my brain about how to do Holy Week and, and, and Easter because we're talking about very complicated liturgies there. Um, but I am not going to go and mingle with parishioners just because they think it's safe. Um, so I wish that our bishops would have been a little bit more stricter. And then I can't really complain about it because I don't want to, well, it's not my, it's not my position but it is, it's still one of those conscience things where I think, you know, this is irresponsible, but I have no influence. And if I speak my mind, then people say, well, you're exaggerating and it's not your responsibility anyway. And I, like I'm standing, I'm like a bystander. I'm seeing this happening and I'm thinking, oh, why? It's only, it's only for a very small amount of people that want to go to mass anyway. I'm thinking, 
uh, there are other ways to be connected with Christ. We're preaching spiritual communion, for goodness sakes. And then, for some reason, we think it's still necessary to celebrate Mass with, uh, with the faithful uh, in, in a super risky situation. Whereas, you know, we, we keep saying, well, spiritual communion will give you the same grace. <sighs> Good grief. Okay. I will, I will tone down my worries and anxiety. I don't want to make you more anxious than you probably already are. But um, it is... Uh, uh, the, the, these, we're, we're facing a situation that we've never had dealt with before. This is definitely the biggest crisis of our, let's say, the last two generations. So we need to be better safe than sorry. That's what I would say. Let's talk movies. I do not like movies. They're predictable. Like, the guy gets the girl and that kid sees dead people and Darth Vader is Luke's father. Not liking movies is like not liking puppies. They're fine. I just get bored and never make it to the end. You know, you need a movie education. You need a movication. I'm going to give it to you. So, uh, some of you in the chat have asked me, uh, aren't you going crazy having to stay inside all the time and not being able to meet other people <laughs> not being able to go out for a walk well actually we are allowed to go out for a walk so i do leave the home maybe once a day i try to avoid it but uh, sometimes i just have to get some groceries um well actually my, my response is i am an introvert so i am this is for me a very good situation i like being home i like being alone and i have not been bored for one single second actually i've been working harder than i've i have worked for the past month um it's just there's so much you need to deal with and and so earlier this day i recorded an episode of the walk where i talk a little bit more about my experience and how i deal with the situation and also the pitfalls uh, especially if you're new uh, when it comes to working at home um, or or living and not being able to leave the house, uh, I have quite a bit of experience with that. So I share some of the risks and uh, what you can do also to keep your sanity. One of the biggest rules is don't overdo it. Don't try. Don't don't try to want to do too much. Usually when when everything changes we become very ambitious like oh i will now completely focus on this and i'm going to do this and this and this um better wait a little bit until things settle down you get used to this new situation but don't don't uh ask too much of yourself and i'm also talking to myself if you want to hear more of those tips just go check out the walk you can find it on tridio.com so t-r-i-d-e-o.com so one of the things that i like to do when I'm in my cocoon here, uh, my social distancing, um, uh, well, actually, there's no one else here in the house because I'm a celibate priest, so <laughs> there is lots of social distance here, uh, and, and there has always been. I, I like to, you know, uh, read books, watch movies, listen to music. This morning, I really, I needed music. I was so stressed and tired and 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 a little bit overworked because of this last week. There were so many issues going on. And I just enjoyed walking through the house, playing music through all these smart speakers that I have. So I've got the Google Home system. 
Um, so I was just playing some jazz music, and I just listened and and uh, whistled along, and it made me so calm. I really enjoyed it. Another thing that I do is uh, watch movies, uh, television series. I try out new stuff. I'm still trying to finish uh, Game of Thrones. Um, but I also tried out some different stuff so I can give you some tips on what you may want to watch. Uh, by the way, Netflix and YouTube are here in Europe. They are reducing their bit rate because now that everybody has to stay at home, uh, there is a, a tremendous amount of, of extra traffic. And what they want to prevent is the Internet cl clogging up. Now, I don't think that's a risk in the Netherlands because we're almost everyone here is on fiber. So we have massive speeds and huge bandwidth. But uh, I guess they just make one decision for the for, for the whole of Europe. So they're going to uh, lower the bit rate. You'll still be able, for instance, to watch 4K, but the bit rate itself is going to be much lower, which means that the compression is going to get bigger. Um, it is, uh, it's something that you probably won't notice that much. Um, since I kind of do a lot of editing, I do see the difference between, you know, different bit rates. Like, for instance, when I was editing um, material, well, when, when was that? Oh, yeah, yeah, when I was editing um, the documentary about New Zealand in Australia, I filmed that many years ago with a Sony camera. And back then, that was a top-notch HD camera. And I remember that I said it because those SD cards that I used to record on were very expensive. So I remember setting the HD uh, recording to the lowest bit rate. And then on the little screen, I didn't see a difference. So I was like, oh, wow, I don't understand that no one does this and that they all go for these higher bit rates. This looks perfectly acceptable for me. Until I started editing this for TV and I was like, oh. Oh, it's so blocky sometimes, especially if a lot of things are moving. There's so many artifacts. Well, that that's kind of what's going to happen. Now, of course, uh, compression technology uh, that is used by, by YouTube and Netflix is so much more superior to the stuff that was you know built in those early cameras. Um, so I think they'll, they'll do a pretty good job kind of hiding the fact that they're lowering their bitrate. But something tells me that once the situation gets back to normal, they'll just keep this low b bandwidth or low bitrate because it's cheaper for them. <laughs> and they'll charge us if we want to have higher bitrates. It's always like that. So anyway, um, it uh, apparently YouTube is going to go from HD to SD. So that is definitely... So basically from an HD quality to... DVD quality. That's something that you will notice, especially if you have a bigger monitor. You will see that. But hey, it's only temporary, hopefully. Here's a tip. I've been watching, uh, well, the first two episodes of a Brazilian science fiction movie. And uh, it's called Omniscient. It's on Netflix here in the Netherlands. I assume it's also on Netflix in uh, where you live. And it is um, produced by Pedro, Pedro Aguirre. Aguirre. I think he's originally from, from Spain, but he works in Brazil. And he was also the producer of another science fiction series that I enjoyed tremendously called The 3%. Just look it up, 3%. And that is, a f I mean, it's, it's kind of low budget, but the story is so good. The acting is so good. And uh, the original is in Brazilian, which is kind of cool. 
Um, so I'll, I'll just uh, let me fire up YouTube here and uh, give you uh, a, a little bit of a, an idea of what that sounds like. So Omnis Omniscient is, is telling the story of a world a little bit in the future, just, I don't know, 10 years or something. And uh, drone technology has uh, um, evolved to the point that, they, that drones are the size of small insects. And every person in the world gets a, gets a drone that is assigned to them. And that drone supervises you. Of course, it's uh, according to the governments, it's all for your own protection. And it is a combination of what they call safety and privacy because there are no human people that are watching uh, these 24-hour streams of these miniature drones. There is a global algorithm, so there's a huge computer that looks at all these streams from, from everyone but it's a computer, and the computer will make decisions based on what it's, it detects, and it will, for instance, prevent crime. So there, it's a, a bit like, um, uh, was it iRobot? No, it's not iRobot. Um, the, the, the science fiction movie based on Philip K. Dick's book uh, with uh, Tom Cruise, uh, where they can prevent crimes from be even before they, people commit crimes. It's, it's a little bit similar. So it's this huge, very supervised society. And then, of course, it's a, a little bit like the Black Mirror episodes, if you've ever seen that series. Uh, there is a darker side to this because someone is murdered. And that is not supposed to happen with this system because there are no more murders. And so it turns out that there is something going on and you don't know exactly what. And the main character... Uh, this young woman has to figure out what is truly going on and, well, will probably also discover the dark side of technology and has to kind of find a way to escape this, this constant surveillance. And, and so the, the reason that it's cool science fiction is that, of course, we're already there in a certain way in a number of countries right now, and that is worrisome, governments are, um, are demanding data from cell phones so they can use that in this corona crisis so even though you may have you may think that you you have privacy for instance if you're you're an apple user you know the iphones apparently all of that uh, apple is very adamant uh, when it comes to the protection of the privacy of its of their owners that is not the case with google and android phones it's one of the downsides of owning an, an android phone i'm an android user but when i have my phone with me Google tracks me um, to, you know, great detail. It knows exactly where I've been. Even when I'm walking around in the house, it can still see in which room I am and for how much time and if I'm moving and whatnot. So this is a huge privacy problem. Well, if, the, if governments start, start to claim this information and start using it, for instance to take advantage of a, a, a crisis, to put in place a more authoritarian regime, that is just happening. Look at what's happening in China. And also some of the, the stuff that I see in the United States. There, there is definitely a hint of authoritarianism that is creeping in the society that wasn't there a couple of years ago. So uh, 
the the things that are already happening right now um, are the basis of this of this story, uh, and that is why I think it's good it's good science fiction because it it gives us a mirror, it gives us something to to think about. So so this is the original Brazilian trailer uh, with the Brazilian audio. Um, let's see if it plays here because I'm on Wi-Fi, so the network is a little bit congested. Why is it so slow? Maybe. Oh, there you go. There it goes. Você e na prática toda a sua geração, vocês cresceram dentro do sistema. Vocês Talking about the system. And were constantly observed by drones. And it's for your own safety. So there's this omniscient system that knows everything about everyone. And then, of course, a murder happens. And it turns out that the system is broken. And that, of course, that's the big thing. That, like, she calls the, what is it, 911. And then the system, the computer, says, well, there hasn't been a crime in that area. So what's going on? And so it turns out that this... this entire crime was not observed and anyway love the brazilian original track um but there is also and this is this is pretty cool uh, they also did that for three percent they also provide you with a fully voiced english track where everything is in english so you don't have to read subtitles because that of course is if you're not used to that uh, not everyone will appreciate that. So there is a, a completely English version. You can tell a little bit that it is done with, uh, um, that it's dubbed. But the story is so in engaging that you tend to forget that over time. So when I saw this trailer, I was like, whoa, those voices are very different from what I'm used to. I guess that's what a lot of Germans also experience when they see, you know, like Star Trek in English. They're like, wow, that doesn't sound anything like Kirk. Because <laughs> Kirk is German, right? <laughs> So that is, that is a, a cool series, and um, I'm really eager to, to see where this is going. Um, let's see, I had another tip for you. Um, oh, yeah. So as you have heard, and if you live in the United States and North America, you've seen it, uh, most talk shows uh, were not allowed to continue with an audience. So there's this one episode that Stephen Colbert did, and... He really, he's an entertainer that needs an audience to, to perform. He, there's, there's always this chemistry between him and the audience. And so there's this one episode, the last one that he recorded in, in the studio in, in New York, um, or in the theater, where the only people in the theater are his own writers. And of course they have written the jokes, so they, don't, they, they already know all the jokes. And you can feel that it is, you know, he's doing a great job, but it's still very forced. And then they, they've decided to just go home to not record any more shows without an audience and the same has happened to several other talk show hosts and so they're, now they're all probably because they're under contract to still produce stuff um they do shows from their home so but what strikes me and also baffles me a little bit is they filmed the those episodes with their phones like seriously Stephen colbert is there sitting in his bathtub and he's using his his um, AirPods, yeah, AirPods, right? That's what they, they're called. The Apple AirPods to record himself. 
He doesn't even have a professional microphone. So the audio that you hear right from me right now in this super, you know, simple amateur studio is a hundred times better than Stephen Colbert, one of the most famous talk show hosts in the world, who is just kind of winging it with a phone and AirPods. And it, it, it's really distracting. It's like, wow, he's obviously reading from, uh, from an audio cue or a teleprompter. So he has equipment there because the camera is filming through the text. So he's reading the text. They're, you know, everything you see in these talk shows is scripted. <laughs> a lot of talk show hosts, well, they improvise a little bit, but all the jokes are scripted. They're just reading that from, from a mirror, and behind the mirror is a camera that films them so that, that you get the idea that they're actually talking to you and they're making it all up on the spot. So clearly Colbert and some of the others have that equipment at home, but they're still filming it with these terrible microphones. And there was just one, was it Jimmy Kimmel? It may, may have been Jimmy Kimmel, I'm not sure, but his wife is filming the entire thing with a phone. <laughs> like, come on. I, it's not that hard. If I can use a decent camera and a decent microphone, then they, with their budgets, they should be able to do so much better. So I'm thinking maybe it's just a gimmick. Maybe it's just something they do um, to kind of break the, um, to make it feel more real. Like we're really in quarantine here and we're really improvising. I don't know. But to me, it's a little bit distracting because I'm thinking, it's not that hard to do decent audio. Come on, guys. And then Stephen Colbert didn't even shave. So he's there with this kind of white beard. And it's like you're sitting there in a suit. You're wearing your like a very expensive suit and a tie. And you don't shave? Oh, that must be an act. <laughs> it's, uh, but they will do it. Now, all the talk show hosts that are filming from home, they don't shave. They all grow beards. And I'm like, whatever. You know, I'm, I'm doing this from home as well. I do shave. You will never see me with a beard. Believe me, you don't want to. Nor do I. Nor does my mom. <laughs> anyway, so uh, really, really strange. Um, and, and most of them will go off the air. So there, there are some, break, some spring breaks, I think, that were, they were already scheduled. And that's all of a sudden when you realize how, what, a, what an important role they, these talk shows have. Uh, bring levity to discussion. If if you don't have this, like I I enjoy watching all these different YouTube videos from from various talk shows because it helps me relativize what's going on in the world. If you take away the jokes, all you get is just the hard news, and the news is depressing. And we need that humor. We need people that you know make fun of politicians, make fun of themselves, uh, and 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 show us reality through the prism of humor. I think it's a vital... My, my dad tells me that all the time, even though he is in a difficult situation. Um, so my father has dementia. It's a, still an onset of dementia, but nevertheless, he cannot live with my mom at home. So he's in, a, he's in a care center. All care centers in the Netherlands, starting today, have been closed off to everyone. You cannot visit anyone anymore because it's a highly vulnerable group of people, of course. So that means that my dad, maybe for weeks, will not receive any visits. We can only talk to him on the phone. And it's a common phone that he has to share with all the other people in the section of the building where he lives. Uh, 
the only way that my dad is able to deal with the situation is thanks to humor. Every time I visit him, he cracks jokes and he, not always very coherent jokes, but he still makes us laugh because he's laughing about his own jokes. And he used to be very humoristic. I always remember him as a very fun dad who always made us laugh and laughed a lot himself. Um, and humor makes it feasible for him. He's like, well, what am I going to do? Otherwise, I'm just going to complain. I don't want to do that. That is not fun for the people around me, and it's not fun for me. So I'm, I'm just making fun of myself. And, it, and, and I think that we need that as a society as well. We need some fun. That is why in, in this podcast, I'm not just going to go, well, I, I actually lost myself a little bit at the start of the show where I went on this rant, and I feel like, I'm angry. But we also have to laugh. We have to talk about levity. Like, I, I play video games now. I stream Battlefront, and I'm super bad at it. But I just enjoy just hanging out there and just chatting with the with the people on YouTube and just, you know, do something that is not focused all the time on on this difficult situation. Even in, in during World War II, um, humor and songs and dancing was was very important for people to keep their sanity. This is a beautiful story of Anne Frank and how they try to, you know, play games and, 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 and try to find moments of where they could forget about the war and where the children could just could be children. We all need that. So that would be my challenge to you. You know, try to, try to keep it in balance. Don't, don't get depressed. Uh, if what, one of my, my daily medication is to watch an episode of, of, the, of the Big Bang Theory. That makes me laugh. It makes me like, oh my goodness. Uh, it is, you know, it reminds me of what the world was like a couple of weeks ago and what I really hope and pray the world will be again like once this whole thing is over. Um, final thing that I want to share with you is uh, because, of course, almost all theaters in in the Western world are now closed, like movie theaters, all the movies that were planned for this time of the year are tanking big time. Um, and that is why James Bond and many other movies, uh, what is it, um, Black Widow, etc., have been pushed forward in time so that they can be launched at a time when people will be able to go to the movies again. Uh, but uh, Disney is has made a couple of interesting decisions of course, they still want to grow Disney+. Plus. And I think by the end of this month, the UK and some other parts of Europe are also getting Disney+. Plus. So they want to make it as attractive as possible. So they, they um, did an early release of Frozen 2 on Disney+. Plus. I still have to see it or watch it. And then they did something that I was very surprised with. Um, there's this new Pixar movie um, called Onward. And they've decided to just take it out of the theater and bring it to Disney Plus by the end of this month. So Onward tells the story of this world that used to have wizards and magicians and whatnot, but then it just evolved into kind of a, a, a similar society as ours. And people have forgotten about magic. And so there are these two kids, and their father has died when they were still very, very young. And... All of a sudden, by magic, they are able to reconnect with him, but not in the way they expected it to happen. 
Happy birthday, Mr. Adult Man. Oh, Mom. Black and gross. What was Dad like? His beard was scratchy. He had a goofy laugh. I wish I'd met him. I have something for you from your dad. It's a wizard staff. I wrote this spell so I could see for myself who my boys grew up to be. This spell brings him back. Back like back to life. She wanted to meet you more than anything. Holy tooth of Zadar! How did you... I don't know! It just started! Hang on! Dad? Stop ah. top part! Dad! You are in your house! Oh, oh boy! Oh. So only the we've only got 24 hours to bring back the rest of dad o only the lower half of, of their Go dad is quest. there just the legs <laughs> all quests start with the manticore the fearless adventurer you mean Corey? she's over there quick somebody help me these griffin nuggets were supposed to go out minutes ago that's the manticore are in trouble big time get in the vehicle i'm escorting you home i'm giving you to the count of three Okay. Wait, what are you doing? Uh, I don't know. Ah, I'm looking for my sons. Oh, they went on a quest. But don't worry, I told them about the map. I told them about the gym. I told them about the curse. <gasps> I forgot to tell them about the curse. The what? <gasps> Your boys are in grave danger. I'm gonna see you, Dad. You can do this. I believe in you. My gut knows where to go, don't you, boy? Yes, you do. <laughs> I am on my way, boys. Just stay out of trouble. It's got Tom Holland, Chris Pratt. Some great voices there. And uh, I, I have to say, it looks really, really cool. Now, let me see if I can get myself back on the screen. I'm, I'm <laughs> okay. Wait, I switched my live stream to the um, to my desktop so people could could see the trailer. Um, still need to figure out how to do that in a better way. But anyway, uh, so this is a this is a Pixar movie, and they're going to bring it to Disney Plus after just a few weeks in the movie theaters, this must be not what Disney expected it to be. Uh, usually Disney, Pixar, you know, they're box office hits. This movie is not going to be a box office hit. But it it's just goes to show how, how important these digital platforms have become as an alternative to theatrical releases. And it may very well be that we're heading for a future where, it, you know, we'll get simultaneous releases. A movie will be in theaters for those that want to see it in the theater, but it will also be released digitally or on streaming platforms and maybe even virtually, you know, with future VR headsets, you're probably going to be able to get a screen, which is much bigger than anything you could get in, a, in your local theater. And you will not have, you know, popcorn munching people behind you and next to you. So, or screaming kids or teenagers that are answering their phone in the middle of the movie. So it is, it, things are changing. Times are changing. Uh, I'm personally looking forward to watching Onward. I think this is going to be a fun movie. Uh, probably more deeper, a lot more 
a lot deeper, I should say, than the trailer kind of suggests. Trailers are usually quite upbeat, but Pixar always goes the extra mile to, you know, get a good emotional vibe to these movies. So as soon as I've watched it, I will, of course, review it here on uh, on the podcast. <laughs> Catholics rock! Here on The Peculiar Bunch, or on The Peculiar Bunch, at The Peculiar Bunch, we're always happy to tell you everything you always wanted to know about Catholics, but you're afraid to ask. Catholics can be a peculiar bunch. No meat on Friday. No meat? What do they eat? Light bulbs? So today I want to talk about Holy Week and Easter in a time of social distancing and lockdown. Man... You guys got more crazy rules than Blockbuster Video. Because that was maybe the biggest shocker of the week here in the Netherlands when we received uh, instructions from our bishops that told us that, unfortunately, to their great sorrow, um, they could not allow the faithful to be present during the celebrations of Holy Week and Easter. This is the most important celebration of the year for Catholics. Um, and it is linked to this date. This is not something that you can move forward in time. You can't say, well, hey, let's do uh, Easter in August. That doesn't make sense. The entire liturgical year is, you know, linked to fixed dates. So um, as a result of the dangers of uh, parishioners getting infected or infecting each other, uh, we are now asked, the priests and the bishops are asked to to celebrate the 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 masses and the celebrations of Holy Week and Easter in private. And if possible, to stream it, audio or video or both. Well, video without audio, it doesn't make much, much sense, but so that uh, parishioners can um, can still follow and can unite the, themselves in prayer. But I also know there are quite a few parishes where they really don't have the ability to stream. And I've seen a lot of kind of failed experiments this past week of, you know, very um, enthusiastic fellow priests that are streaming with their phone and the audio is terrible, the image quality is terrible, Um, let alone Easter, you know. (laughs) These are big liturgies, lots of stuff happening. Definitely not liturgies that you can celebrate all by yourself. So we are permitted to get a little bit of assistance um, so, for instance, an acolyte or uh, a lector and even a cantor, but they all have to stay at their distances. A lot of things are also indicated by the Vatican. They just issued a whole bunch of um, instructions for these special times that I quickly wanted to mention here because I don't think that we've ever seen something like this before. Um, so there is a decree about the Easter celebrations. Let's just start with that. And uh, it explains to us who are going to have to celebrate these these celebrations how to do that. Um, the date, first of all, there's like oh, Easter is the heart of the entire liturgical year. It's not just a feast among others. The Easter Tridium is celebrated over the arc of three days. So that's Holy Thursday, Good Friday, Holy Saturday. And then of course, culminates in uh, the Easter Vigil. That arc of three days is preceded by Lent and crowned by Pentecost, 50 days after Easter. 
and therefore it cannot be transferred to another time. You would break the liturgical year. During Holy Week, you have the Chrism Mass. That is where the bishop and the priests come together, and the bishop will uh, bless the oils that are used for a baptism, for uh, the ordination, uh, the anointment of the sick, etc. Um, those Chrism Masses may be postponed to a later date. I didn't know that, but apparently that's something that you can even do later. Uh, in my diocese, they're not going to postpone it, but the bishop is going to celebrate it with a few assistants, and, well, as priests, we cannot be there, uh, nor can be the, the parishioners. The Paschal Tridium, this is interesting. The Sacred Tridium must be celebrated in the following way. Wherever the civil and ecclesiastical authorities have put restrictions in place. So, of course, if you live in a country that is not affected by the virus yet, I doubt it. I think that the entire world in a couple of weeks from now will have to have the same restrictions as in the Vatican and in my country. Um, it, these celebrations have to be celebrated according to the indications of the bishops that have been agreed upon in the Episcopal, Episcopal Conference, in the cathedral and parish churches, Without the physical participation of the faithful, the bishop and the parish priests can celebrate the liturgical mys mysteries of the pas Paschal Tridium. The faithful should be informed of the times of the celebration so that they can prayerfully unite themselves in their homes. So think about Africa, think about South America, many places where, you know, people don't have the ability to stream or, or, or transmit audio or whatever. In that case, you just have to communicate the time so that people can go, you know, and pray together in family um, and unite them in that way with what's happening in their local church or in the cathedral. Um, the diocese have to provide the faithful with support to help. You know, you could you could devise a like a small liturgy that you could celebrate at home, something like that. There are many creative ways in which you can still help people. Uh, to make it less abstract. Holy Thursday, very important celebration in the Catholic Church, is the celebration of the institution of the Eucharist, which is the most important sacrament that we have. Um, this uh, is um, the, the faculty to celebrate Mass without the people is granted in an exceptional manner to all priests. Um, I'm not sure why they say that. Because normally you probably have to concelebrate, so maybe this means that you can just celebrate it by yourself, which is, um, yeah, that that may be it. Uh, so normally you cannot celebrate the celebrations of Holy Week and Easter by yourself. Normally for Mass, I can do that. I can just celebrate Mass in privatum. It's not uh, ideal, but it is allowed and even encouraged uh, if you ha don't have an ability to celebrate Mass in a parish. So... Uh, so they give us now permission to celebrate that alone, which is kind of a novelty. At the end of the Mass of the Lord's Supper, the oh, the washing of the feet, which is an optional thing that you can do during that Mass, is to be omitted. So we cannot do the washing of the feet. At the end of the Mass, there's normally a procession with the Blessed Sacrament to a place of repose. That is because the tabernacle has to be empty. And then people can venerate or even pray in adoration for several hours after Mass. That is to be omitted. 
the Blessed Sacrament is to be kept in the tabernacle. This is a big change. We've never done that before, so it has to go back into the tabernacle. Priests who are unable to celebrate Mass, that's possible. Think of elderly priests that have to stay home, cannot leave their, their house or the care center where they are, are to pray the Vespers of the day. Good Friday. Um, it has to be celebrated um, it, also without people in the universal prayer. There has to be an intention for the sick, the dead, and for those who feel lost or dismayed. So not much not much change there. Um, during Good Friday liturgy, you read the 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 Passion, um, according to to uh, Saint John. Um, so that's going to be a challenge because that's normally something you do with multiple people. Um, and then the Easter Vigil, that of course, you know, it has the procession with the the Easter candle, the fire that is blessed, the the the, wa- the baptismal waters are blessed. There's uh, the liturgy of the. Uh, the litany of the saints it is a long complicated liturgy lots of readings lots of singing well according to these instructions from the vatican this is going to be simplified a little bit thankfully um you can only celebrate it here and this is also interesting where and in the measure that there is a real possibility of doing so i don't know what they mean by that that sounds a little bit vague but I guess what they mean is you, you cannot do that, like, for instance, at home in the rectory behind a kitchen table. I guess that's what they mean. And I've seen priests actually celebrate Mass at their kitchen table because they're locked in. So this, I think that what they mean is it needs to be in a proper place, so in a church. Um, at the solemn beginning of the vigil, the preparation and the lighting of the fire is omitted. So that's part of the missile that we have to throw away. The Paschal candle is lit, but prob- but there is no procession. So we'll just have to place the Easter candle probably near the altar already and just light it. That's all. <laughs> that is oh, so sad. I'm going to miss that. That was one of the, my favorite litur- liturgical moments during the year. And then after the key- candle is lit, we are still to sing the Exultet, the Easter proclamation. Thankfully, they did not get rid of that. The Liturgy of the Word then takes place. I assume that's all according to what the Missal prescribes, so lots of readings. And then for the Baptismal Liturgy and the Renewal of Baptismal Promises, only the Renewal of Baptismal Promises is necessary. So it means that normally in during the Easter Vigil, you, you sometimes have people that will be baptized or there will be a long ritual for the blessing of the water, uh, with litany of the saints. Apparently here we can just take the easiest, the shortest form in the Missal. And then the liturgy of the Eucharist follows. Again, if you can't be at that Paschal Vigil, you have to just pray the Office of Readings for Easter Sunday. Interesting. Um, and then other expressions of popular piety and processions. During Holy Week, of course, in, in many countries, they have these processions through the streets, etc. These can be moved to other suitable days in the year, even beyond Easter, because, of course, that's just piety. Um, and this is mandate by mandate of the Supreme Pontiff. I had to think of Star Wars when I read that. Like the Supreme Leader. <laughs> Pope Snoke, <laughs> by mandate of the Supreme Pontiff for the year 2020 only. So, 
don't take this as uh, you know. From now on, we'll do it like this. It's it's. I still have to wrap my mind around this. This is going to be so strange, so new. Um, that was not the only thing that they issued today. There are also instructions, and this is is a pastoral instruction for situations uh, that are already a rea- reality right now in in Italy, where you have thousands of people that are ill, priests that have died or are ill themselves, um, situations where it is absolutely impossible to hear confessions. Because, of course, confession, you have to do that in a private place. Um, It needs to be safe. uh, So you have to keep a certain distance. Uh, I saw one priest who was hearing confessions in a drive-by situation, so people could just open the window of their car. He was kind of like in a remote place, and he would just close his eyes and hear their confession and give them the absolution from a distance. But there are many situations in Italy where you can't do that. It's in the city. Uh, many. Uh, you got to keep in mind that the big majority of the Italians are Catholic, and confession is very much still a thing in, in Italy. Now the Vatican has said, or the apostolic penitentiary, so that's the Vatican tribunal that deals with matters of conscience, they have said that um, while individual confession and absolution is the normal means for forgiveness of sins, grave necessity can lead to other solutions. For instance, uh, the what they call general absolution, which is the forgiveness of sins without private confession, without someone mentioning their sins. This is something that was kind of on vogue in the 60s and in the 70s, where there was this transition uh, and people stopped going to confession. And then a lot of priests, and I've, I've witnessed that as a child, uh, just gave everyone general absolution, which, of course, they have the power to do so, but it was not, it was not li- um, wasn't legal. <laughs> it wasn't allowed. They did it anyway. Um, and so the Vatican has been kind of dialing that back over the past few decades and really putting f- front and center the you know private personal confession because it's a beautiful sacrament, but it's something very personal. So you want this this encounter, and it's not just uh, like a control all delete. That's the kind of the downside of a general absolution. There is you don't have that personal um, experience. However. Canon law is there for the pastoral good of people. And it's not the opposite, where people are not there for the rules, the rules are there for the people. And so in this case, it is allowed under certain circumstances for a priest to, for instance, go to a hospital. And if it's possible to hear the priest over the intercom, he can at the entrance of the hospital absolve all the people in the hospital from their sins. I mean, you can say, well, wow, that is, well not ideal but you can also uh, there's also another aspect of this the power of the sacrament the power that is that a priest is is um uh uh how would you call that invested with um that he can with one absolution forgive all the sick all the people that are you know in in mortal danger in in an entire hospital and it is, it's even stipulated that if possible, the people that receive that absolution can hear the priest. But if that's not possible, then again, the, the pastoral um, uh, the, 
pastoral importance is it, it tr kind of uh, trumps the, the, the rules and regulations. So it, it shows you the flexibility of canon law and it's because it's all for the good of the people and, and God wants to save his people. And not uh, Sometimes Jesus doesn't go by the rules because it's more important for him to reach people and to save them than to you know, adhere to everything that the scribes and the Pharisees are, are uh, yelling at him. So, uh, fascinating, fascinating stuff. Again, I've never seen this in my lifetime. Another thing that the Vatican has said is that it will give indulgences to, for instance, people that work at the hospital. Um, so, if they have confessed their sins and they have uh, uh, received the absolution, what remains is the damage that sin has done. And uh, Catholics believe that the purgatory is kind of a time all that, of course, is kind of analog verbiage. Um, but it is, there is, you, you, even if your sins have been forgiven, doesn't mean you go straight to, to heaven. There is this, this time of healing. That's always how I kind of compare it, uh, that we call purgatory. And that, that is a time of suffering because you want to go to heaven, but you're still not able to because there's too much damage that sin has caused, even sin that has been forgotten leave scars um, and so the indulgence the indult that the catholic church infers is to anyone who's involved in you know the the care of the sick in this situation um, also let me just read that it's a plenary or full indulgence that means you'll go straight to heaven if you die that is pretty powerful again um, and well if you're not from a catholic tradition you may think well isn't that just a little bit too much is, is, how can a, hum, a church that consists of humans you know, decide over heaven and hell? Well, that is the power that Jesus gave to his apostles. Whose sins you forgive, they will be forgiven, etc., etc. I read that passage. Jesus says it very clearly. He gives his apostles the same power that he has. Um, and so a, a certain authority, and of course it's, it's always in the name of Christ. It's not an isolated human superpower. But it is it, 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 he he wanted his church to have that ability to to heal people into to the core of of their existence to to the deepest levels of their souls. So this indult will be for healthcare care workers, family members, and those who, following the example of the Good Samaritan, assist those sick with the, those sick with the coronavirus, exposing themselves to the risk of contagion. The decree also grants the indulgence to any Catholic. Here it comes. And of course, there are some prerequisites. You have to have um, uh, received communion, pray for the intentions of the Pope, um, and of course, have received absolution. Uh, it, it, it also grants this indulgence to any Catholic who visits the Blessed Sacrament. That's one thing you could do reads sacred scripture for at least a half hour. This is a super bargain. <laughs> you read scripture for half an hour, and if you are in that state of grace, you will receive the, the full healing of your soul. Um, or if you recite the rosary or the divine mercy chaplet. And if you do that to implore Almighty God for an end to the epidemic, the relief of those who are afflicted, and eternal salvation for those the Lord has called to himself. Now, this is not magic. What happens here is if you pray or if you take care and, you know, praying in a certain way is also taking care of those that are afflicted by the coronavirus virus, that's an act of love. 
And it is that act of love that allows God to heal you and to heal the scars that sin caused in your soul. That is why if you die there and then, you will go straight to heaven. So again, it's not magic. It is the logic of love that even a simple act of love, like a rosary that you pray for those that are suffering from the coronavirus, that small act of love is able to forgive who knows what, what, what time of purification in, in, in purgatory. And again, if I say time, we don't have the categories to fully you know, express what we're saying. But, but it is... You know, it, it will a small act of love will heal your entire soul. This is pretty radical. This is very powerful and beautiful. Only a little bit of love can do so much good for yourself and for the world. This is a, this is a testimony of the power of prayer and the power of sacrificial love. All right, with that, I think we need to wrap things up. There was so much else that I wanted to talk about, but I'll just keep that for next week. Just a very quick tip. If you are bored and you don't know what to do, there are actually a lot of free games that you can download right now on various platforms. I'll include a link in the show notes. That's it. Thank you so much for your, uh, for your time. Stay safe, stay responsible, and keep praying. I'll see you next week. <laughs>